You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Matt Baxendale. All right, Bax got a chance to speak with Ryan Day after Ohio State's third practice of spring yesterday. What stood out to you about his comments? I mean, a lot to unpack there. It was over 30 minutes. A lot of great stuff. What, what kind of stood out to you the most? Well, he clearly was listening when we've been talking about the offensive line battles the last couple of weeks in this podcast, hasn't he? <laughs> you know, uh, it was funny because he was talking about Hensman and Cutler at center, which are the two that we've been talking about for a while now. And, you know, I'm glad they're in pads. And that's something that Ryan Day was saying is that, you know, he's seen them in pads and he can't wait to see them a little bit more now. Um, I, I think that a lot of the talk about the offensive line really got my attention because he didn't really single anybody else out at the tackle position. It seems like that's a spot where he's really kind of holding his cards a little close to his vest early on here. Uh, but I think it's certainly the center position shaping up based on what he had to say uh, between Hensman and Cutler, like we've expected. And, you know, I, I also thought it was interesting that he talked a lot about Hensman, a little less about Cutler. Maybe that's one of those tells. So, um, you know, I, I know two guys here that have been talking about, uh, you know, we hope Hensman gets it so Cutler can be that super sub and, you know, listening to Ryan Day, that was my first thought was, you know, he talked about Hensman first and talked about him a lot and then goes, and Cutler's catching up. So that caught my attention for sure about the offensive line. Definitely. That stood out to me too. Like he was like, didn't say anything negative about Vic Cutler, unless you say like learning how to practice at Ohio State on a daily basis is tough. Like he's <laughs> you consider that negative. But yeah, I mean, if I had to bet right now, I think Carson Hensman's going to be the starting center. But I'm glad Vic Cutler is here, so good problem to have. All right, a couple questions from uh, uh, people on Twitter. I, po- I posted something like last night. Um, first of all, let's let's get to this one. Jaden Ballard. A lot of people ask about Jaden Ballard. Mm-hmm. My thing is like I like Jaden Ballard, but like unless Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, or somebody else like gets hurt, like I don't really see a big role for him. Like I hope I'm wrong. I mean, Julian Fleming obviously is going to be the number three. Xavier Johnson's coming back. Like, Hartline's proven backs. He's not going to play more than three or four wide receivers. So, unless one of those guys gets hurt, do you see Jaden Ballard having much of a role this year? It's going to be tough, isn't it, right? You look at all the talent that they have at that position group, and, you know, it's not just Jaden Ballard. Think We talked about the guys in front of him. What about all the other guys that are behind him that are coming in, too? Mm-hmm. One of these guys is going to be an instant pop kind of guy that you know is going to fight their way on. Every class has at least one of them when you bring in three to four stud receivers. So uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where there's so much just there's so many talented young men in that locker room that most of which could play somewhere in major college football this season. So a kid like Ballard, who was this his third year, he'd be sitting waiting, not doing a lot. It's going to be tough because 
if he doesn't get on the field a bunch this year, and much less some of these younger guys show up and somebody's inevitably going to look like a superstar right away too, you know, even if they don't get on the field a lot, it's going to be hard for him to hold them off and fight his way into the group ahead of him. It's just, it's a tough spot because he's a good player. He could play at a lot of big 10 schools right away. And this is just, and I'm not saying it's going to be ballot, but this is an example of why with all the wide receiver talent Ohio state has, it's hard to imagine them not losing somebody for playing time somewhere. So Jaden Ballard's one of those guys that we're all talking about because we see the talent and we see the ability, but he's kind of in that in between here's our current stars and here's our stars that are coming up behind him. So yeah, Ballard's going to be fascinating to watch play out this spring and into the fall. That's at least great thing is he's entering his third year. He's got a great attitude. He, you know, he's healthy. Like, hopefully he can, like, seize an opportunity this spring. That'd be great to see for uh, Jaden Ballard. All right, let me ask you about Evan Pryor. We also had some listeners um, ask about Evan Pryor. Hopefully he's healthy. Um, I guess, as we've talked about before, I guess the good news is, like, the knee injury happened in camp, not, like, toward the end of the year, you know? So, theoretically, he Mm -hmm. should be fine. Um, Obviously, he's missing spring. But, Bax, what do you expect at Evan Pryor this season? You know, it's tough because you got five guys. In that, that running back room that we know can play. And I'm not even talking about TC Caffey. Uh, you know, we, we, we've we got Mayan, we've got Travion, we've got Pryor, we've got uh, Chip Trainum, and then you got Dallin Hayden. That's a wealth of talent at that position. And it's going to be really interesting to see with Pryor how quickly he recovers from that ACL. Like you said, it'll be about a year and change by the time the season rolls around for him. And ACLs aren't like they used to be. It was an 18-month thing or whatever. Now it's nine months, and if the rehab goes right, then they're good to go again. And, you know, that's one of those surgeries over time. It's been amazing to watch evolve on the rehab time. Uh, But for Evan Pryor last year coming in, he was probably third on the JEP chart behind Mayan and behind uh, Trevion. But I'll be honest. uh, I wonder if he brings an element maybe to the table in terms of receiving the football that the other group hasn't shown yet. Um, so there may be some position that they try to put him in where they get the ball into his hands out of the backfield, uh, maybe on some flares or some screens or something. But we also learned last year, Dave, you can't have enough depth at that position either. You know, I mean, we're playing in the college football playoff with, you know, Dallin Hayden and Chip Trainum carrying the ball because Mayan Williams could barely do it and the other two were out. Trainum had most of the carries in the first half against Michigan after not playing the position all season. What's the time somebody got their first carry of the year against Michigan and they got 10 more? So, you know, I I think too much depth at that position is not a thing. So if Pryor takes a little while to rehab and maybe isn't at full go until October or November, it's almost not a bad thing because you know somebody's going to get dinged up or multiple people are going to get dinged up. So I'm hopeful we're going to see some contributions from him this season. Um, so it's obviously a tough injury to come back from, but you know, I, I really like the kid. I think a lot of people really like the kid when he was, was talking about transfers last year. He's like, I'm not sitting here whining that I'm not playing. I'm going to sit here and eventually earn my way on the field. And then, you know, that made a lot of people root for him and unfortunately got hurt, but I don't know, Dave, I, I, I don't think he's going to necessarily be in the mix to start, but I think once he's healthy, as the year comes on, he could be a really valuable guy. As you go down the stretch, we need that depth. All right, speaking of that team up north, like for like the first few years of the Harbaugh era, we're like, why are they not recruiting Ohio? Like 
not even like they were going to out recruit Urban Meyer and those guys for like the best talent, but why are they not even hitting it harder? Like they were getting guys here and there. Um, I'll tell you what, now they're hitting Ohio hard. They just got Jordan Marshall yesterday, the top running back in the state, the number two overall player in the state, one of the best running backs in the country. He's a Cincinnati Moeller. They've landed some other good Ohio kids. Um, now listen, you know, it's a long way till signing day. I get that, but, um, Obviously, I know. I almost asked you what's changed. I know what's changed. They beat Ohio State two straight years. But is this troubling to you? What do you make of Jordan Marshall committing to Michigan? And and I don't know. This the the Wolverines finally waking up and recruiting Ohio again, which was their lifeblood for the longest time. Yeah, until the arrival of James Patrick Tressel, he who won Ohio would eventually go on to win the game. That was the key choice mm-hmm. in the history of Ohio State football. And in fact. I have said this many times. Michigan would be Minnesota today were it not for their proximity to the state of Ohio, Mm -hmm. keeping them in relevance from the 60s all the way to the turn of the century. However, as time has gone on, Jim Trussell shut down that border. Michigan tried recruiting more nationally. And Ohio State's dominance of the state of Ohio in recruiting kind of kept the rivalry in our back pocket for two decades. Now, I wrote an article a couple weeks ago, but maybe over a month ago, talking about how Ohio hasn't been as great the last five years in terms of sheer volume of elite prospects, D1 players. If you look at the numbers from scouting Ohio, it's the lowest it's ever been the last two years. But the class of 2024 might be the best class we've seen from Ohio in 10 years. The depth is there. There's a lot of high-end kids in this class. So it's a really crappy year for Michigan to have three of the top 10 Ohioans already committed and another one on their way off to LSU right now. That sucks. And on top of that, Michigan's favored right now, if you look at the crystal balls, they have Brian Robinson, and he's a, he's a top uh, a top 15 edge player in the country. That's a real problem. I mean, you've got three of the top 10 committed. You've got another one in Robinson in the top 10 who's favored to go there. And then, by the way, Ben Roebuck's another kid, that, if you look at the crystal balls from Lakewood, is also going there. And he's 12th in the state of Ohio. So it's a crappy year. It's a really crappy year for them to show up and start getting Ohio kids because the only year in the last two decades they have done jack crap in the state of Ohio in recruiting was the year where Trestle was fired, Fickle was the part-time coach, and Brady Hoke was trying to tell everybody Ohio State had a four-year bowl ban coming. Obviously, that didn't happen. But that was the year Kyle Kalis infamously flipped and then never beat Ohio State, and a number of other Ohioans went up to Michigan to not such good luck in the rivalry. So – This year is not the year to let them into the state. They haven't done anything in this state in the longest time in recruiting. And now they're walking in and taking a third of the top dozen kids in the state. That's really, really, really bad. And it is a, without question, a direct reflection of the results in the game. I can tell Jordan Marshall's dad is an Ohio State fan. He's the kid from Moeller in Cincinnati is the running back who yesterday committed to Michigan. You know, he's a top 15 running back in the country, according to 24-7. This is a top 200 national player, and he just went to Michigan. That makes me sick. Usually the kids that they get from the state of Ohio the last 20 years have been kids from Toledo, maybe some Cincy kids whose families are, you know, Michigan fans. You you see a little bit of that every now and then. But Marshall's a kid I'm pretty sure Ohio State won it, considering we didn't take a tailback last year in the class. And – it's just not good. And I tell you right now, I mean, you got other kids in this class, you know, you, you got the twins, you got Aaron Scott, uh, Bryce West from Glenville, 
those are kids you need to get. If you're going to let them come in here and get as many of the top kids from our state uh, as, as Ohio State does, that's how a rivalry stays flipped, especially in the class like 2024 where there are so many good players. Uh, you're going to see a, a lot of kids go play major D1 football from this this state this year, and we can't let them go to Ann Arbor. That's simple. It's a bad thing to see. So along those same lines, another question from uh, a viewer, listener on, on Twitter. Bax, your confidence level that Ohio State's going to go up to Ann Arbor and win the game this year. What's your confidence level scale of 1 to 10? Uh, 10 being we smoke them like it's uh, 2008 and 1 being a turtle. Here comes John Cooper. Um, I would say a 3 right now. I mean, just to be real honest, it's a 3. Uh until I have proof that Ohio State's going to be tough enough defensively and tough enough, more importantly, mentally to win this game on the road with a new quarterback, with a new offensive line featuring two new tackles and a new center, and on top of that, a defense that still has infinite amounts to prove to me against the Michigan team that brings back so many players. Uh, yeah, three out of ten. And I hate to be negative like this, but – you know, the, this is one of these things now where it's like it used to be, you know, show me show me us losing and then I'll believe it. Now it's show me us winning and then I'll believe it because the mental toughness side of this to me has flipped entirely in this rivalry. And now it's in our head. And as we saw for two decades, when it's in your head, even if you have a similarly talented team, you find ways to lose. And that's what Ohio State did last year. Make no bones about it. They found a way to lose. They It's that simple. So, um, yeah, three out of ten until I start seeing some real tangible reflections and change of the mentality of this team and specifically on the defensive side of the football. Man, people's champ going three out of ten on me. I'm going to be the people's champ right now, bro. I don't think there's a lot of confidence in Buckeye Nation right now in this game. <laughs> no, this, this is when I like Ohio State's chances the most. I know they lost to Georgia, but when, when they're doubted, Look out, and they're going to be doubted, and they're going to go up. If they had played against Michigan like they played against Georgia, they would have won. That's the problem. Give me the Buckeyes in Atlanta, and they win virtually every game they ever play. But the Buckeyes who were up against Michigan by three when they should have been up by 20 and then started squeezing squeezing their butt cheeks together so you could hear it squeaking because they were so nervous, that's the group I'm afraid of seeing in Ann Arbor. It was so, the same thing as 1996, as I've said before to you and to all of our audience. 1996, Ohio State had a chance to put Michigan away in the first half. They did not. And then they puckered up, and the exact same thing happened this past year. The next year is not going to be like 1997. They're going to go up to Ann Arbor, and they're going to win that game. They're gonna go I hope next year is like 2001. That would be a great one. 2001, we go up there, and everybody expects us to lose. And then we do take care of business in the first half and hold on. That would be great. We had the uh, press conference yesterday. I had the first question. I should have asked Ryan Day how many days until the Michigan game. He's not Jim Trestle. I'm not going to like embarrass him. Like I actually, I, like, I don't know if he would know that. No, I, I, that's the thing. I, I as soon as I said that, I'm like that'd be stupid because then I'd embarrass Ryan Day and make him look bad. I'm not trying to do that. Beat Michigan this year. Okay, let's get on to some other stuff. All right, pro day is today. Am I wrong in thinking that the, it's kind of anticlimactic? I mean, what are we what are we looking to see today? Like the guys that needed to perform at pro day, or excuse me, at the combine, performed well at the combine, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
listen, I maybe I should be like you know, jazzing it up as much as possible. Like, hey, check out Buff Nuts today. Pro Day is going to be off the chain. Like, no, nah, it probably won't be, actually. It's probably going to be pretty mundane. Some guys that already showed out probably aren't going to do that much. But I love Pro Day because it's the confluence of like, you know, college football, the NFL, and all the NFL teams are going to be there. I'll get to hang out with my good friends like Zach Taylor, you know, and uh, and guys like that. So pro day today, you intrigued or not really? Uh, I think much like last year when CJ threw, which was the biggest part of pro day last year, I think all eyes are going to be on will Marvin catch if CJ throws. You know, he it's he is. Yep. By the way, Marvin that, Harrison is yes, he's going to participate today. Yes, sir. And so much like last year, where everybody was like. Yeah, 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 that's fine. Look at Stroud. I think this year everybody's going to be like, yeah, 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 we know Stroud. He's going number one. Wow, look at Harrison. That's what it's going to be. He's going right? number one next year. No, no, probably not number one. He's going to go top 10 next year. I'm going to yeah. tell you that. Yep. Um, I think it's going to be a little interesting from some perspectives in that, you know, at the bottom part of the guys coming pro, you don't know where some of them are going to land. Uh, I think a guy like Zach Harrison um, really needs to play up his freak status because his film has been hit or miss over the course of this time period. Um, but yeah, I think everybody's going to be looking at Marvin. That's going to be the biggest story coming out of all this is, oh man, look at Marv. Can't wait till next year. And then next year, hopefully it's, wow, look at McCord or, or Brown. We can't wait till he's available. That's what I'm hoping the cycle is here. But yeah, it's he's not draft eligible, but I think everybody's going to look at Marv and probably some Egbuka too, because I think they're both running. So, Well, I think Emeka probably won't, because I think he's missing spring. I don't think it's nothing serious, but Emeka and Julian are missing spring. So I think it's, I think it's Marvin. Jaden Ballard's going to catch t- uh, today, um, they said. So it's going to be Marvin today, Jaden Ballard, maybe Xavier Johnson today. Um, mm-hmm. all right, I'll get you out of here on this. So there's a lot of good buzz about the corners, which is fantastic. Cause yeah. The Hallelujah. Is- Thank you, Woody. Like, seriously, I mean, they're losing Cam Brown, but they bring everybody else back and they bring in Davis and Igben Newsom, the, uh, the transfer from Ole Miss, who's six foot two and, and looks the part. Mm-hmm. Denzel Burke's a year older. Um, you know, Jordan Hancock now, junior. Jair Brown's on the way up. Again, Igben Newsom. You got Ryan Turner in his second year. And then you got the two true freshmen, one of which is here right now, Jermaine Matthews, one of which will be here in June, who they really like, and Calvin Simpson Hunt. Man, there's a lot of good buzz about this corner group, Bax. Well, after last year, uh, I'm pleased to hear it. Now, when you go through as much fire as you did last year with a too small and too young room, right, uh, you better have some uh, experience when you come out the other side of the oven. So, you know, obviously bringing Igmanosin in is just uh, thank goodness for that. Um, he's going to walk in and start right away. This is a guy who looks like he's a – future potential NFL top round or two pick. And he's going to come in and be an instant starter. Burke is going to get that push that he needs from behind from Hancock to keep that starting role. And I think giving him that edge is going to be a good thing for him. Sometimes you see this too with young guys, like they come in as freshmen and they're like really good. And then like they, the, the edge that they had to fight their way onto the field, you know, then they have to learn to deal with success when that edge isn't there. And I think Burke ran into that a little bit last year. So I think some push from Hancock, the guy coming in and, and Igbenosin that, you know, is going to play and we all know it is going to be good for Burke to re-elevate back to the player we saw as a freshman. I think that's important. 
Uh, and like you said, I like Jair Brown when I saw him last year. It's just difficult to step in as a true freshman. So, um, you know, I, I'm happy that there's good buzz. It looks like there's some good pieces here. The talent looks like it's much, much, much better this year than it was last year. Um, but, you know, we still have to see these guys perform. This was one of our spots last year. Where Ohio State was absolutely at its weakest. And for the better numbers that we have here, it's still only seven corners that there's going to be in this, this room on scholarship. Last year was six. So at least there's a little bit more experience, despite not being that many more guys in numbers. And again, the biggest story this this offseason for Ohio State in terms of the roster is getting Igbenosin because if they didn't get him, we'd be sitting here going, okay, maybe it won't be as bad as this year. Now we're like, plug that spot in. And let's go Burke. And so that's a great thing for Ohio State right now, the corner position. I'm much more optimistic than I probably deserve to be right now based on what we saw last year. No, I like it. And we'll be out there. We have interviews Thursday, and then we'll be out there for the scrimmage on Saturday. So cannot wait for that. So glad that they're opening that up for Yeah, that is nice. Saturday. And then we'll get to see the scrimmage the following Saturday too. So get to see a couple of scrimmages. So like the next – Three Saturdays, I get to see Ohio State football. Scrimmage. I'm confused, Dave. Spring ball or spring games. Scrimmage, scrimmage, spring game the next three Saturdays. I get to see Ohio State football. I love it. I I thought you had to have fictional wise men and make up stuff about these scrimmages because they're behind closed doors. Uh, It's so nice that we're going to get to have them out front and be able to actually analyze them instead of just make up stuff. That's great because Bucknuts would never make up stuff or come up with fake sources. Not that we're into like sports gambling or anything, but if we were going to set the over under at backup long snappers that would get kicked off the team this year, I'm going 0.5. Zero. And I'm taking the under. Under, under. I'm going yeah. under on backup is, long snappers that are going to get kicked off the team this year. Is that the same over under of sites that cover Ohio State to get their credentials re- revoked? 0.5 is our over under? I'm going under. I've seen it one They're time. They're going to take the under, too. I've been on They're the under a long time. I've seen it one time. Probably won't see it again. You know, I won't see it again. Some people are just that special with their imaginary friends and their misbehavior and can't play mm-hmm. nice with others. So I'm looking forward to these scrimmages personally, too, Dave. So it's going to be fun. This is what you get from the OG of Ohio State podcasts. <laughs> He's the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. You can catch his column every Sunday. It is the bucket. Thank you to Bax. Thanks to all of you. If you like the show, like, subscribe, give us a five star review. All that stuff really helps. Thanks again to Bax. Thank you to all of you. Keep it locked to Bucknuts today. It's going to be a big day. Appreciate y'all, you guys. Have a great day. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.